Um, hey, welcome. I'm really glad y'all are here and that everybody else is not because y'all are actually my favorite. So, <laughs> just wanted to say that. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm thankful y'all are here. And uh, on nights like this, it's, it's easy to just kind of not be here, even when you're here, because you're thinking about what's coming up next. You're thinking about it, it's just kind of weird. It's smaller and um, it's just different. But um, these are times where the Lord might do something really powerful. And so that's what I'm going to pray for. Father, uh, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, who you've called to be in this room tonight. And thank you for the passage you've given us and the, your truth that we've sung and we will sing and uh, has been read and prayed. And, and Lord, we are just, um, we are yours. We are your little children. I thank you for things like this happening where um, the, the uh, lyrics don't work because it just reminds us that we are not dependent on that. Lord, we are your little children uh, you are our Father. You take care of us. You give us everything we need. And so, Lord, I pray that you come in, in just a really powerful way and bring a deep conviction of that truth to our hearts tonight, that you give us everything we need and that we, like Paul, also have the secret of being content in any circumstance. Um, that is an amazing truth, Lord. I pray that you would help us um, as we follow you to keep learning uh, how to do that as we uh, keep our eyes on you, Lord. And so do your good work tonight. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, I don't know. Some of y'all may have heard this, but in a Princeton study in 2010, they did a study that said um, there is actually a, a number that happiness is maximized uh, in terms of financial, hap you know, financial well-being. And they said if you have $75,000 a year, um, that that is going to help you be happy. And then once you get over that, um, it's your happiness doesn't increase all that much. But if you can have $75,000, that kind of meets your needs plus, and there is a link there to happiness. And then there's a study that came out this year uh, from Penn's Wharton Business School, and it says that actually that study is not true, that there is um, a connection to experienced well-being that doesn't stop at $75,000 a year. Um, it continues to increase as the annual income increases. But this is, this is really interesting. Um, the guy who did the study stressed that money is not everything and that the pursuit of wealth itself is not a means to happiness. He said, wealth explains a small variance, but there are plenty of other things that are equally, if not more important. I also asked people how important money is to them. And if I look at people who say money isn't very important to them, it barely predicts their happiness at all. It's possible to earn not that much and still be very happy. We just don't understand all these things of why that is. And then he said, one universal truth across all of his people that he surveyed, uh, the strongest data point of any, says that anyone who conflates money with personal success was miserable. There doesn't seem to be any point where conflating personal success with your financial outcome is a good thing. Having more money is good, but being fixated on it and using it to define your self-worth is probably not such a great idea. And so uh, tonight we're, we're finishing our series on Philippians, and this sermon is called The Joy, of, the Joy in Losing Your Financial Independence. And so um, I, I love what this study found because at first read, it's like, um, I don't know. But then when I looked at it more, I thought, you know, really... I think this, this study is more true and more in line with what Paul's saying here in Philippians. Um, because that first study, it's like, okay, if you have a certain amount, then you're okay. But if you don't have a certain amount, then you're not okay. And this study's like, hey, 
like money is great, it's a tool, but like the reality is if this is tied to your self-worth and tied to your happiness, um, it, it's not, it's not going to do anything that it's intended to do. And so um, this is what Paul's saying. He's saying it's, it's really, it's, it's not even about having a certain amount to cover your needs. It's about having a certain relationship to money understanding what it is, understanding what it is for, understanding how to think about it, how important is it to you, and what it can do for you. And so um, we're going to do a little uh, detour uh, right out of the gate just to, uh, to see what, what Paul is living out of. So he starts here in verses 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Uh, you have revived your concern for me. You've been concerned for me. Now you have opportunity. But then he very quickly says, but I'm not talking about being in need. Like, let me make that really clear. I am not in need because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So fall, uh, fall. Paul is saying that um, the secret, he's using that language on purpose because all these false teachers were coming in and they were saying, um, you know, like these Gnostic teachers, it's like there's a secret wisdom and secret knowledge. And if you're an insider, then you have access to all this secret knowledge. And Paul's saying, hey, I have the secret and it's not really a secret. But what it is, is it's just this process of learning because I'm being discipled by Jesus Christ. And so Paul's saying, as I'm being discipled by Jesus Christ, he is changing my relationship to money because he's changing my relationship to everything. And so um, this, who, who Paul is following, um, this is what Jesus says when he talks about money in Matthew 6, 24 and 25. And this is, we're going to hang out here for just a minute because this is really kind of what's going on uh, behind the curtain in Paul's mind that's, that's impacting what he says here to the Philippians and how he's, he's telling them to live. But Matthew 6, 24 and 25 says, um, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And so um, Jesus is saying uh, a lot of things here that are very important. The first thing he says right out of the gates is, you and I are wired to have a master. And we're also wired to just have one master. And so no matter what it is, um, you cannot serve two masters because the way that we are hardwired as human beings, it's not possible. And so you were made to serve a master. You can only have one. And so you have to determine who it is because you've got one. Everybody has a master. And, and who it is and what it is will determine everything about your life because that master is who we're going to to figure out what is important, what are our values? What are our priorities? What's good? What's bad? What makes me successful? What makes me happy? What makes me worth something? So all these questions get answered based on who my master is and what they're telling me and what they're calling me into. So uh, very uh, false, false masters um, other than Jesus that are very, um, very ensnaring masters that a lot of people follow uh, could be my emotions, um, I could be mastered by my emotions, and I follow my emotions no matter um, where they lead me. Uh, it could be money. It could be pleasure. It could be avoiding conflict. It could be um, gaining the approval of certain people in your life or, or everybody in your life. Um, but whoever your master is, 
um, is going to determine the outcome of your life. And you despise any other master. So if I'm serving any other master besides Jesus, eventually I'm going to despise one of the two. Because why? Because I'm a finite being with finite resources. And so the master that I really love and want to serve the most, um, it's going to start to really annoy me when the other master is calling me to do things for them. Because that's taking my attention away from this master over here that I really think that this is where life comes from is serving this master over here. And so until we get to a place, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to just snap and you're only going to serve one. But uh, you can also live for a very long time in this middle ground where you're being torn apart because you're trying to serve two at the same time. And again, we're just not wired to be able to do that. And some of us are in that place right now. Some of us find ourselves back in that place time and time again. But, um, and so that, that begs the question, if, if I'm not experiencing joy in Christ, that's a really good indicator that I've got another master that I'm serving alongside him, and it's tearing me, it's pulling me in two different directions, or, or maybe I'm not serving him at all. Because remember, Jesus says, hey, um, everyone who's weary and heavy laden, come to me. And, and my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm going to give you rest for your souls. And so if I'm not experiencing that rest, that's a really good invitation to just stop, uh, a good diagnostic to just stop and say, Jesus, like, what's happening right now? Like, I'm not experiencing joy and peace in you. Um, could you help me see if there's another master that I'm serving? And so let's talk about money as a master. Um, well, it's cruel. <laughs> It's cold, it's very impersonal, and frankly, it's impotent. Um, it can't do a lot of the things that we think it can do. Um, master is just code for idol or for a false god. And so money is just like all other false gods. Um, they, they promise life, but they actually weaken you to death. They enslave you and enslave you and make you less human. And uh, a, a good place to stop and just think about whether you've experienced this is your relationship to work, because that's our access to money. Um, and so the way that I engage in my job, is it stealing life from me? Is it making me less human? Am I having to give up deeper things and make sacrifices uh, of my soul to accomplish and serve uh, this master called work? And so Jesus' implication in these two verses here is, um, hey, by the way, choose God. <laughs> like, don't choose anything else. Um, and when you choose God, there's going to be a temptation to worry. And he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about all the things you need. I know that you think you need to serve money first because that's how you're going to pay for the things that you need, food and clothing. But if you serve God, you don't have to be anxious about those things because he cares with intricate care for even the most like just fleeting little silly creatures that he's made. And you are of infinite value to him because he's paid for your life with the life of his son, which is of infinite value. And so don't you think because he is so, you are so valuable to him that he is going to meet all your needs. He is a good father. He is a good master. Um, so choose God. And he's also saying life is, when he says life is more than food, here's what he's saying. Even when money's rolling in, it can't give you what you most desperately need. Because think about these things. Um, it can't give you peace with God. It can't give you freedom from sin. It can't give you freedom from slavery to self. It can't give you maturity. It can't give you spiritual fruit. It can't give you a good and beautiful life. 
It can't give you companionship with God that you were created for. It can't give you an eternal home, a new family. It can't give you love. It cannot give you wisdom. It cannot give you joy. All these deep, deep things that we are hungry for that make us human, money is powerless to give us access to any of these things. But again, we serve this loving Father. And so the question stands for us, like, is, is he not good? Does he not know me intimately? Does he not um, attend to my needs because he loves me? And so Jesus is saying, please, please um, serve this master. And so where he is bringing Paul and he's bringing us is to this, instead of the peace of financial independence, he's bringing us to the peace of financial dependence. Like, why would you want to be independent from this good and loving God? Like, you, that would require us to do things that are way above our pay grade and providing for ourselves and making sure that we're okay, and we can't do them. So why not be dependent? Like, why, is that, why am I not running to be dependent on this God who loves me and is of infinite power and infinite wisdom and infinite goodness? Um, he has all of us on this journey of uh, financial independence, meaning independence from slavery to money and thinking that I, my life is tied to um, how much I'm making and how much I have. And, you know, if there's any doubt about that, um, just know that we're on this journey of progressive detachment because we are following the one who said, I have no place to lay my head. Like, if you follow me, you're, you're not going to be crushing it. Um, I'm your master, and I didn't even have a place that I could call my own space to go back to every night. Um, but, but we're going to be okay. And so as we follow this new master, as we follow Paul and following this new master, um, here, here's a couple things that happens. One is uh, a new master means new desires. Um, and so looking at verses 14 through 16, or 14 through 17, Paul says, um, it's really kind of you to share in my trouble. You, you guys know that from the beginning when I left Macedonia, you were the only ones that entered into partnership with me, giving and receiving um, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Um, but it's not that I seek the gift. Like, this is not what I'm worried about. I am actually seeking the fruit that increases to your credit. And when he says credit, that's a, uh, a specific uh, term for, like, investment in your account. Like, I'm seeking the fruit that's going to lead to uh, growth in your portfolio. Um, so Paul, in Christ, his concerns and priorities and desires of his heart are changing. And, and that's true for us. As we are discipled by Jesus, um, which that's what it means to be a Christian, to follow him, he is changing our concerns. He's changing our desires. And if he's not, that means that we're not following him because that heart transformation is happening. That's just part of what he's doing in our lives. And so as he's changing me, my loves become his loves. My definition of a wise investment, my definition of security is changing, and it's going to be different from the world's now. My definition of investing in futures is taking on an eternal perspective, which can only happen in Christ. Um, and here Paul's like, hey, hey, remember, like I told you all before, I'm content. Like, I'm asking for you to, to help me with this. I'm asking for you all to send money, but it's not because I need this money to be okay. It's not because I haven't hit my $75,000 a year mark yet. It's because I'm asking for this money so that I can be enabled to do this gospel ministry because I believe that's what I'm called to. But even if this money doesn't come, 
then that must mean that God's got something different for me, and I'm going to be okay. But, like, I really appreciate you sending this money because um, this is a good thing. And so Paul, as he's asking for this, he's asking for this for himself, but also for the people that he's going to minister to and the people that these resources are going to enable him to minister to. But he's also asking for this for the Philippians' sake. It's like, I want you to have a part in this ministry for this gospel fruit that's increasing to your account. Like, we're all going to be investing in gospel futures together, and I want you to be a part of that. And so these people, they're starting to change as Jesus changes them. All these Philippians that are sending their resources to Paul, um, I read one commentator said, like, this was not a very wealthy church. Of all the churches that Paul was um, planting and ministering to, this was one of the poorest. And, and these people, Jesus is changing the way that they think about desires and security and loves and wisdom and investment and they are sending this money gladly to Paul. And they're sending manpower. They're sending these people to Paul um, to help him in this work. And, uh, and I love what it says here, too, that it wasn't just this gift. It was that um, Paul's making clear that they've made clear to him that, like, you're on our hearts all the time. So if you're ever in need, you just ask because we're with you, Paul. Like, you just have to know that, like, your bank account is directly tied to our bank accounts. And so if you're ever in need, you just ask and just know that we are with you. And so that's this beautiful picture of Christian fellowship. Like this is another element of Christian fellowship that's intended by God is like when, when people don't have enough and, and other people have more than enough, like that's on purpose so that we can connect and that's part of uh, growing this unity of the body of Christ that we were made to have with one another. And so when money is your master, you can't part with it. Uh, you can only think in worldly terms, but um, when Jesus is your master, then you become wise because you start thinking about things from an eternal perspective, and that is the deepest reality that there is. And so as Jesus calls us, um, it's like, you know, a middle school girl who thinks that her whole world is this guy who's really cute, and if he doesn't like her, then everything's going to fall apart. And it's like if we could go to this middle school girl and say, I, you know, like, I've been there. Um, there was a girl that I really... <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been in middle school, okay, guys? I graduated from middle school. But it's like when you think that, like, everything is, I, I was not a middle school girl, okay? <laughs> really maturely. <laughs> but when I was a middle school boy, uh, we know what that feels like, right? I mean, everybody had a crush in middle school. And everybody felt the sting of, like, when it didn't go your way, and you're like, everything is over now. My life is meaningless. And it's like the older version of you wants to come alongside that eighth grade version of you and say, hey, you know what? I know this really hurts, but um, your life is not over. <laughs> like, your life actually, like in a back to the future moment, your life has actually gone on, and it's pretty great, you know? And it really doesn't matter that Sarah Bowen doesn't want to go to the dance with you. But you're going to be just fine. And that's what's happening with us as we are following Jesus is he's putting his arm around us and saying, I know you think that you need this job. I know you think that you need this promotion. I know you think you need to live in this house. You need to be able to go on that vacation. You need to be able to do all these things. Um, but guess what? You're actually going to be okay. You really don't need all those things. And so we are now free. We're free to, to loosen our grip on money. We're free to give it. We're also free to use it. We're just free. And there's no like wooden, religious, legalistic relationship with money. Um, 
a lot of people, I mean, I don't know where you guys all are. I don't know where we all are as a body, but I know that some of us are in a place where like, we probably never had money. And so maybe we're enslaved to money because um, it's always that carrot that's just out there that I can't quite get to. And if I could only get to it, then everything's gonna be okay. But then I know some of us are in here and we've never been without money. And we've always had an abundance. And maybe we're still enslaved to money because we're thinking like, I don't even know how to use it. Like, I, I don't, I, this feels like a trap. This feels like hard and I don't even know. And I'm worried that like, am I giving enough away? Am I, what am I doing with it? And, um, and listen to what Paul says. In 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So, in other words, Paul and Jesus are saying, Look, money is not a curse. It's a blessing. But just, just whether you have a lot or have a little, know that like you're free. It's not your master. And other people's opinions of you and how you spend money and how you think about money are not your master. Jesus is your master. And so you're just free. And so see it as what it is. Be generous with it. Be ready to share. But know that you are free. And this does not determine your life. Um, and so... Another thing that comes from this new master is a new security. Um, verses 18 through 20, Paul says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, receiving from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul is making really clear, I, am, I will never be in need again. I will have needs. It's so funny. In this passage, he says, like, I'm not in need. But he says, thank you for partnering with me and meeting my needs. And, and that's like, wait, what are you talking about? But he's saying, like, I, I'm never in a place of need. I have needs. I have things that I think I need. I have things that I think are good to ask for. But even if God doesn't provide those, I'm not in need because I have Christ. And I have all the riches in him. I have his loving, the, the fatherhood of God and all of his power and all of his kindness and so he is going to give me exactly what I need. So wherever I am in this moment, I have everything I need. And keep in mind that Paul is, uh, is saying this from a prison cell where he's awaiting trial and possibly the death penalty. And Paul is saying, um, I'm well supplied, guys. I have everything I need. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it is amazing. And that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to. And, and so the one, one thing I, I want us to really zone in on here is just, the, uh, just a practical application of this, that our security doesn't come from money, um, is the idea of the spiritual discipline of gratitude. And what I mean by that is um, getting to a place where we can practice saying thank you even when we think we don't have enough, or even when we think that something is not going the way that we really need it to go, when I can practice saying thank you, and, the, and like the Lord's led me to this personally in the last month or so, and it has really been transformative. Um, when I'm in a place where I'm so tempted to freak out uh, about anything, not just this, uh, or, or I'm very frustrated that something didn't go my way, or I'm very offended or anything, to just stop and say thank you, Lord. And when I do that, I'm recognizing that you are in control. 
and you love me, and you know exactly what I need. And so in this moment, uh, maybe this is exactly what I need. And so here, here's some thoughts to help us in that. Um, because here's some things that when I feel a lack, that maybe God is actually meeting deeper needs. Um, maybe he is strengthening me by loosening my attachment to this world. Maybe he's creating a space to bless someone else by me having to ask for help and them giving. Maybe he's teaching me dependence on him in a very real, tangible, physical way. Maybe he's making space for me to seek and enjoy him and, and enjoy being in his presence. He's creating space. Um, maybe he's breaking idolatry. But there are a million things that he can be doing in these good gifts. Uh, and so like Paul, we can rejoice whether we feel hungry or full. Um, because Jesus is leading us to this freedom. And this last verse says it all. We have a, a father who is in heaven. We have a master who is in heaven. Um, and he is giving us everything we need for his glory, for our good. And he's giving this, this eternal perspective that there really is a forever and ever. Um, and in that forever and ever, our, our future is so secure. And it's because of this. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Paul says, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Um, going back to that study we, we talked about at the beginning, they say it's possible to earn not that much and still be quite happy. We just don't understand all these things and how they work. And Paul's saying, I understand how they work. Um, Paul's saying, I'm able to be in poverty and in wealth because I'm being discipled by the one who's experienced ultimate poverty and ultimate wealth. And he's leading me to a place of freedom where I can be content in any circumstance. Not because of what I have, but because of whose I am. And he's leading us to that place too. Father, you are, uh, you are so kind. You are so good. You are, you are full of all power. You are full of uh, deep love for us. And your ways are so wise and so full of intricate care for us. So Lord, would you please shepherd us uh, tonight and, and as we go from this place into the rest of our lives, would you shepherd us into um, really being able to live out of that reality, that you love us, that we have everything we need, that we can be today content in any and every circumstance. That's amazing. Lord, would you, would you invite us, give us a hunger to walk even more closely with you and let you lead us and continue to teach us so that we can learn um, how to be content in every circumstance with you. Um, Lord, thank you for making that possible, and uh, we just praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.